That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 218 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. Thanks for giving the episode a listen. In this episode, well, we're celebrating today. Woohoo! Okay, that sounded pretty cheesy. Uh, but this is the third anniversary show of the podcast, so we're beginning year number four with this episode. Started back in December of 2019. December 29th of 2019 was actually the first date that I published an episode. And, uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about the past year and where we're heading and some of the big things that happened during the 2022 uh football seasons because we've had multiple ones but uh, this has been a uh, this has been a very busy year for the podcast I'm, I'm ecstatic with how things have gone uh, of course I'm always looking to you know attract a new audience and new listeners and that sort of thing and your help with that would be absolutely fantastic so if you enjoy the show you know please consider sharing it with your friends and family tell them about it tell them about this uh American, one of several uh, who love your game and appreciate you sharing it with us, and uh, maybe they'll want to tune in and give it a listen. But this is going to be like a recap, as I said, for what's transpired over the last year. Um, maybe you've missed an episode or two and you want to go back and check those out, but I also want to celebrate the last year of the podcast and and just thank you for taking time out of your finite number of minutes that you have each week and tuning into the episodes that uh, that do come out. Now, folks, don't forget that if you are interested in having your local footy club get a shout-out during an upcoming episode, uh, drop me a note uh, via email over to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. Hit me up on one of the socials. You'll find them all out there, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. I love being able to highlight the uh, local clubs. And today's club of the episode are the Hondorf Magpies of the Hills Football League in South Australia. And the Magpies have been in existence since 1887. And this is one of the oldest local clubs that I have uh, noticed, anyway, in terms of the, the date there. I mean, there may have been one or two that I've missed that might have been around that same time, but it was very prominent on their website. Uh, looks like a very successful club, and uh, they play their games at the German Arms Oval on Pine Avenue in Hondorf, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is southeast of Adelaide. Last year, their Division I senior men's side uh, were the minor premiers, uh, finishing with a record of 17-1 and before losing by three points to Lobethal in the grand final. Cooper Huff led the uh, Magpies with 48 goals on the year, and Cooper Nykamp uh, chipped in with 43 right behind him. I wish the Magpies the best of luck heading into 2023. And on Friday, the 3rd of February, the club is going to be joining forces with the Hondorf Cricket Club for what they're calling their Hitting Cancer for Six in a T20 game to help raise money and awareness for the Childhood Cancer Association. So if you happen to be in the Hondorf area, if you're up around Adelaide and you want to get involved with that, you certainly can uh, help them out with that very worthy cause. Now, I... Like I said, I wanted to recap a little bit of what's been going on over the last year. And again, yeah, I I get the opportunity to talk to so many people on uh, social media. Uh, you're very gracious with your time. You're you're very patient with me if there are things that I maybe haven't picked up on. 
uh, and I and I can't thank you enough for that. It's it's just been it's been wonderful uh, being able to to engage with all of you, and, and I can't thank you enough for that. But since last year, since the 29th, the second anniversary show, it's been a year, and uh, managed to put out 100 episodes since the second anniversary show. And, it, and I did the math on that. I'm thinking, that can't be right. And I went back and I scrolled through my website. And again, if you haven't been there yet, yankonthefooty.com, you can get on the mailing list there. It doesn't feel like that many, but, you know, I, I know that I have because I did preview episodes for 17 of the 18 uh, clubs in the men's comp. It's going to happen this year, Richmond. It is going to happen. And, uh, you know, this is uh, this this love that I have for your game. I won't be so bold yet as to call it our game yet because I still feel like you're sharing it with me. This love that you have, uh, this game that you have shared with me is, is continued to grow. This isn't something that has waned. It's not like I've gotten to the point where, okay, I've reached peak footballness and I'm going to step back. No, 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 no. It just keeps improving and it keeps growing. And I'm so excited about that. But over the last year, you know, I had the opportunity to sit down with a number of different people in all different uh, avenues of the game, whether they be American players in Australia uh, playing for the Vermont Eagles or uh, talking to Australians who are promoting the game here in the United States with the D.C. Eagles and how they're using their Auskick program to grow that game with youngsters in and around our nation's capital talking with people involved in local clubs, uh, like I did with Simon Cross back with the Albury Tigers. A Canadian who I believe now is a, a, an Australian citizen in Kendra Heil, who played with Essendon's uh, VFLW side. Talking to you know, different members of the media, like Sarah Burt, the, the, the one and only legendary Catman. And I'm looking over my shoulder here, and I have, well, one, a flag hanging behind me in my recording closet, which uh, Troy sent to me, but also one of his uh, Catman bandanas, which is hanging prominently behind um, my seat in my little recording area as well. As I said, I got to talk, you know, with with uh, journalist Sarah Burt, who's doing a great job promoting the, the, the game um, throughout uh, Australia. Several former players um, as well, you know, whether it be Sean Smith and the issues that he has dealt with since his playing days have ended after, you know, repeated concussion symptoms and things of that nature. I, you know, getting to talk with uh, Barry Cheatley, who was just an absolutely wonderful gentleman. And I, and I hope to get the chance to sit down and talk with him again. I, I've traded a few emails with him uh, since our last uh, discussion, but just an absolutely wonderful man. And, and, I'm so excited to have uh, been able to speak with him. And I, and I, I should have mentioned also, you know, having spoken with uh, Daniel Cherney from the, uh, the Code Sports um, online uh, newspaper, which I am a subscriber to. Really, really enjoy their work there. And, you know, getting to talk to other people, you know, like, like uh, John Perry, who's a premiership player uh, with, the, uh, with the Tigers and the Ruse. Uh, and also having... Spoken with local clubs about local interest stories, like the Nangwari Saints in uh, South Australia, who, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's a very compelling story because this is a, a club that persevered through having lost 
well over 100 games before they got their first win. And our discussion was, was just a, a tragic irony of events because one of the players that I was supposed to have on, unfortunately that morning before we were going to sit down for the interview, uh, tore his ACL during the course of a game. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time talking with, with all sorts of, of different guests, and I love engaging with people from all facets of the game. And if you're somebody who has checked out the podcast and I have reached out to you in the past in terms of having you on as a guest, I, I, I'm a one man show and I'm, you know, this is a, this is a, I do we call it a side gig? I guess that's what I'm going to have to call it. But I just, I, you know, it's, it's, it's me doing this. I, I don't farm any of the editing out to anyone else. So, you know, the sound I'm sure could sound better. I mean, the little new preview music that is at the introduction of this episode, I did on GarageBand. So it's not fantastic, but I think it fits the bill for what we need. Um, yeah, so this is, I guess, that point in time where I'll say, hey, if you, if you love the show and you want to help, you know, keep it afloat and you know, cover the, the, the fees and that sort of thing, you can certainly head over to my Buy Me a Coffee page, uh, the little yellow button on my website, follow the link on Twitter there. Or you could, you know, pick up a, a sticker or a T-shirt uh, from my storefront page, which is also on my website. If you'd like to do that, that'd be great. The best thing you can do, if if that's not something you would want to do, is you know, leave a great review. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends about it. That'd be fantastic as well. That'd be a huge help. Um, very soon, I'm going to be sitting down to begin my uh, interviews uh, on my preview episodes for all 18 sides. I've got a couple of those lined up already. Um, I've reached out to a number of different uh, club-specific podcasts with the hopes of sitting down with them, uh, a couple of them that I've not spoken to in the past. But as I mentioned before, you know, last year I got 17 of the 18 clubs represented in those preview episodes. The only one I didn't get a chance to talk to was Richmond. And I'm still trying to find a Richmond specific podcast. I think there's a couple of them out there, but I've just, I've not been able to nail that down, but otherwise I'll certainly be reaching out and trying to find a Richmond supporter to come on the podcast. And I promise I will not bring up that, uh, huge desert and that crock filled river that, uh, lies between, uh, Marvel stadium and punt road. I promise I won't mention those things at all. Now I wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about the what I thought were the 10 biggest stories of 2022. And these aren't in any particular order, and these have been on other people's lists as well, but these are the things that kind of stood out to me. And again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm overlooking things, and I want to apologize for that right now because your story that might be the biggest one to you might not be on my list. But these are the kind of things that, that stood out to me, and I'm sure you can guess one of them right off the top, okay? One of them I'm sure you're going to say, okay, no, that's going to be there. And I will go ahead and let you know that, of course, it is number one on my list. And uh, that involves a, uh, a certain club uh, with a certain color scheme and some hoops on their jumpers. But we'll get to that in a moment. And yes, I am still excited about that, still celebrating that, and still pretty chuffed, knowing that, well, they ought to be a fairly good club again this year. Certainly not going to be presumptuous and, and expect the same results that happened this past year because, you know, quite frankly, I think I tipped them to be sixth or seventh on the ladder in 2022. So the fact that they finished where they did, 
very much a pleasant surprise for me. So let's go ahead and jump into my top 10 uh, biggest stories. And again, they're not in any specific order of importance or anything like that. But uh, just the, the the first one is uh, is looking at just some, some players who had kind of either redemption arcs, if you will, or that... Uh, that jumped on the scene to just kind of take the, uh, the game by storm, if you will. And, uh, you know, you look at players like Charlie Kernow, who, you know, came back after having a couple injury play gears from, I believe he had hurt his knee playing basketball. Um, you know, he comes back and wins the Coleman award this past year with 64 goals. Yeah. Just, you know, an absolutely phenomenal effort on, on his behalf and, you know, putting him up there with Harry Mackay, is just is a dangerous, dangerous forward line for Carlton heading forward here. And and that's a club that I think uh well they may not be ninth this year. That's a that's a good possibility. You know, you you look at the uh you know the magpies who had just all kinds of things to be excited about during the course of the year. Now I'm not sure they were necessarily you know, Magpie supporters excited about the outset of the year because they just had finished seventeenth the previous year, which we're gonna talk about here in just a couple of moments, but you, you have, you've got youngsters that are coming in, uh, that just help to restore the excitement for the club in black and white, you know, whether it be, you know, Jack Ginnivan, um, you know, just wowing Magpie supporters with his, his style of plays and his exciting exuberance. And again, one of the things we have to remember is that these, these are young men. These are very young men who are thrust into the spotlight here. And I know that some of his actions were not something that, that a lot of people approved of, but he was a, you know, he was, he was a, a great, um, face for magpie supporters to focus their excitement on, and we'll get to a couple of other guys with a similar last name, if you know what I mean, with the Magpies here in a second. Um, but he was also that that player that that the other seventeen club supporters were look are always looking for that player that okay, who can we show disdain for? You know, the the a lot of players and or should I say a lot of supporters, you know, showing their disdain for you know, Joel Selwood and, and ducking underneath tackles and things of that nature. And, and Ginneman was doing, you know, things similar to that. So he was somebody that got the wrath of, of supporters from other clubs. But I think it's going to be, you know, this is going to be a young man who's going to, I think, have a, a great career going forward. And you can't, you know, you can't not be excited as a Magpie supporter realizing that you've got the Dacos brothers that are going to be there uh, and and just kind of salivating over what the next decade plus is going to look like on that side, knowing that those two names, as long as those two young men stay healthy, you can probably pencil them into the 22 for that club for the next decade. Or I don't want to, I don't want to say decade and a half, but for the next, at least the next 10 years or so. Okay. And then you look at other, you know, specific endearing stories like Tyson Stengel. You know, this is a young man who was on his third club. He'd been delisted. And he gets picked up by the Cats. And and the Cats, you know, have, uh, I believe, a relative and Eddie Betts working with the club during his first year there. And he goes from being delisted to being an All-Australian. And and you, I don't care whether you're a Cat supporter 
or a frustrated Crow supporter that, you know, wishes, wow, I wish that had happened with us. But you got to feel good for this young man, you know, getting his footy life together and hoping that that's also translating into his personal life, which is allowing him to have the success that he had here. I mean, it just was so exciting to watch him. And, 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 and I'm sure you can, you can, you know, throw, you know, Kazi Pickett into the mix here as well, who's becoming a star in his own right. Uh, and, and there are many others that I'm not mentioning here. And I'm sure some of you are sitting there listening to this podcast and you're rattling off two or three names from your club. And yes, I probably forgot them, but there, there is this upswell of, of young talent that has, that has come into the game over the last year that has made it exciting. And, and, and it's not to say that it wasn't exciting before. Don't get me wrong there, but this is just, you know, there's a lot of, you know, good youth that have had some, some pretty serious success here for us in a relatively short period of time. So that was number 10 on my list. Number nine on my list. And, uh, this is buddies 1000th. And this is probably something that I should have a little higher on the list, but I just had jotted these down and, and yes, this came at the expense of the cats and the cats got thumped pretty good in that game. More on that later, but, uh, what an absolute spectacle that was, you know, I, I, as a, as a footy fan, even though it was my club, you know, on the, on the, the beat down end of that game, you just can't not feel excited about that. And it's, you know, this was something that was certainly a long time coming, you know, COVID kind of got into the way of this. It might've happened in 2021 had COVID not been around, but Think about what that would have looked like. Think about what that would have looked like had Buddy Franklin kicked goal 1,000 during the 2021 season when there were limited crowds available to come to games. Yeah, I, I don't know if you would have seen law enforcement or COVID enforcement, whatever you want to call it, you know, trying to tackle supporters coming out of the stands, the ones that were there to come celebrate. But just seeing that that throng of fans coming out of the seats at the SCG and converging on the location where Buddy happened to be, that's one of my that's one of my most memorable visions in sport. It's something that I, I'm never going to forget that. And it's something I mean I've actually shown this to my Students, I showed this at the not long after it happened in my classroom in the morning before school started. I had the game on and I had told them, I said, you know, here's something pretty cool that had just happened and rewound that. And them just seeing that image of the fan, you know, the, the one that was overhead. And I'm not sure if it was a drone or if they had a helicopter or whatever flying over the SCG. You know, here in the U.S., we have the, the Goodyear Tire Company has several blimps. You know, lighter than airships that fly across the country that provide overhead shots at sporting events. Now they also they do that at, at stadiums that have domes on them. I don't need to know what the roof of the stadium looks like, the, the actions inside, but that's neither here nor there. But we'd had two really difficult years of, of football where you had no crowds or just a smattering of fans in the stands, you know, having to sit way far away from one another. And that 1,000th goal at home where tens of thousands of fans emptied onto the ground. That was something that I think that the comp needed to help let us know as supporters of the game that, okay, the game is getting back to some semblance of normalcy. 
And uh, it was just fascinating to see. And it was something, you know, it, will we ever see it again? Will we see that happen again? You know, it's, uh, you know, you look at the, the players who are closest to a thousand goals and, and you wonder how long are they going to continue to play? You know, you look at it, you know, a Tom Hawkins or a uh, Jack Rewald. How many more years do they have in their career that are going to you know, allow them to put up the the numbers that they need to put up in order to reach a thousand goals? I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe Jeremy Cameron. I don't know. But again, you have to look at the longevity of his career. How long is he planning on playing? We might have seen our last thousandth thousand goal kicker last year. Okay. So that's my number nine. Now let's move on to number eight and seven, which are kind of the same thing, but looking at it from two different vantage points. And the first one is the coaching carousel part A. And, you know, looking at, uh, you know, David Noble uh, being relieved of his duty with the Ruse uh, partway through the season. Ken Hinckley's port side battling back from an 0-5 start to help keep him around for 2023, despite what the signs outside the, the Port Adelaide uh, training facility happened to say. Uh, if you didn't see that image there, somebody had doctored that up to make it look like Ken Hinckley was no longer the uh, senior coach on the side. But, you know, you wonder, you know, about David Noble's um, time with North Melbourne. And, and, and from what I have heard, you know, he was a wonderful student of the game, a wonderful teacher of the game, but he was just in a really difficult spot there with a club that had been, you know, mired, you know, in the basement at the uh, wooden spoon level. And, uh, and he kind of bore the brunt of that. And of course, you know, you had the, the situation with uh, Jason Hor Francis, who we will be talking about here shortly as well. But then you look at the, 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 the two other coaches that were dismissed at the end of the season or right before the end of the season in Brett Ratton and Ben Rutten. And, and quite frankly, in my opinion, in my opinion, and you can tell me I'm wrong if you want to, or maybe you're going to nod your head on this. They might not have been the right guys for the job. And I think you could certainly question one of those. But I think they got treated rather shabbily by both clubs. I really do. I think they were treated rather poorly. Um, you know, it, you know, seeing Ratton dismissed, you know, with a week left in the season. Um, and, and Ben Rutten just being just dragged over the coals by the, the club as they they began their ill-prepared, short-sighted, whatever euphemism you want to use, uh, quest at trying to attract Clarko to come to the side. Uh, but it just it's uh, it was really sad to see both those gentlemen uh, lose their positions the way that they did. But you know the one thing that really shocked me about this, and I guess and I didn't it didn't register with me until this happened to, to Brett Ratton was that after he was let go by the club, I, I learned, and maybe you did as well, maybe you didn't know this, he had just signed, I believe, a three-year contract extension with St. Kilda just right before, I think right before the season started. But they dismissed him, and they're no longer obligated to pay him the bulk of that contract. I think they had to pay like six months of that contract, and that was it. And I, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode after he lost his spot. I, 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 I question the 
the the idea of doing of doing that sort of thing to a coach I mean, you, you know, the the club has made a commitment to that person to be their senior coach and that senior coach has made a decision to sign that contract making economic decisions about their life about their livelihood about their family with that contract and then having it snatched out from underneath them where the club doesn't have to necessarily honor that contract. And again, I'm not blaming the Saints necessarily because it sounds like this is just part of the the way that the structure of the AFL works. And I would love to hear from somebody who might have a little bit more insight into this than I do because I'm I'm looking at it on the periphery. But, you know, and, and again, I don't know about his personal finances because it's it's none of my business, of course. But, uh, you know, did 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 he make commitments to, you know, purchasing a new home or making other financial commitments, you know, with in the back of his mind that I have this income coming in for the next three years because I'm going to be coaching this club. And all of a sudden they snatched the rug out from underneath his feet and he's left with a much, much smaller payout than what he had been expecting to get. And I did a little bit of uh, digging into this because as a, a Cleveland sports fan, and we're going to talk about that here in a moment as well. Uh, with the Cleveland Browns especially, they have had a long history of, well, at least since they, they came back into the league in 1999. Now, this is, this is a very proud franchise that had won eight championships from the late 1940s uh, through 1964. But there's been a bit of a drought, well, okay, my lifetime, uh, of them winning a championship. But they have gone through, they've gone through coaches the way the Kardashians seemingly seemingly go through boyfriends and husbands with great speed and with great and great haste. It just happens quickly. So I was doing a little bit of digging and, and the owner of the, uh, the Cleveland Browns, a guy by the name of Jimmy Haslam, uh, whose family uh, owns and operates uh, hundreds, if not thousands of large gas station, petrol station, uh, truck stops, that sort of thing throughout the country, all over the United States where you find uh, large, you know, interstates, highways, that sort of thing, driving across the country at pretty much every exit, you're going to find one of his companies. It's called either a uh, pilot fuel center or flying J are the names of those. And they've made billions of dollars. He's a multi, multi-billionaire. But from 1999 through, I believe it was like 2018. Uh, and they've gone through several coaches. I mean, the coach they have right now, you know, they, they've underperformed this year. And people have talked about, well, maybe he's going to lose his job. But they've gone through like a half dozen coaches as the head coach or senior coach, if you will, since like 2016. It's been a quick turnaround. Where, and, and once that coach has signed a contract, that contract gets paid out. And now there are stipulations that if they get another job that that they uh, they can be relieved of having to pay that portion of the contract. Uh, for example, if you, if you follow the NFL at all, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers got fired earlier in the year, and he had just signed a like a sixty million dollar contract to coach the team. Well, he uh, just got a new job coaching uh, a college football team. And I believe the way it's going to work out is that the the NFL team is off the hook in terms of having to pay him the portion of the salary that his new job is paying him. They still have to pay him the rest of it, but they're not obligated to pay him the portion of the of the new position that he has. 
So I think he was, you know, let's say he was getting paid $10 million a year. And let's say his new job is paying him $5 million a year. Well, they're only having to pay him $5 million a year of that new contract that he had signed. So I just, I think that, you know, I think that uh, Brett Ratton, you know, he was, he was level. He was, uh, I think, 33 wins, 33 losses. And St. Kilda had gone through some, you know, tough injury um, times during his time there. I, I, I just, I feel bad for, for both of these guys. You know, and, and what, what happened to Ben Rutten, you know, where they were, they just, you know, were dilly-dallying and not committing to what's going to happen to him. And then, oh, Clarko's available. Hey, let's uh, let's go ahead. And Ben, we're not sure if we're going to keep you around. But if you want to coach this game, you go ahead. I just think that I feel bad for him. Now, I'm glad that both of these guys have landed in new positions because uh, Brett Ratton is coaching part-time back with the Ruse, ironically, with, with Clarko. And Ben Rutten, I believe, has gone back to Punt Road uh, to be an assistant coach with Richmond. So I'm I'm thrilled that they have found new spots, but I I just I just think they got treated rather poorly, and uh, and I don't think I don't think it was a great look for the game, quite frankly, the way they treated either of these guys, because I think they were, you know, you could certainly argue I think one of them maybe needed to go, you know, I think if you're an Essen supporter, you might be saying to yourself, yeah, we underperformed the couple of years that he was here, but the Saints had played some decent football. And Essendon at times had played very good football, but they just had some missing pieces as well. But I want to look then at the other side of the coin as far as the the coaching carousel. You know, we had three new coaches come in to new sides this year. You know, Sam Mitchell with the Hawks, um, Michael Voss with the Blues, and uh, Craig McRae with uh, with Collingwood. And Sam Mitchell might have had the the toughest task there. You know, you had a side who... Uh, um, you know, only won eight and fourteen this year, but you know they. This is a club that did get a, a two goal win against the eventual premiers. A lot of good things happened with Hawthorne. They didn't win enough this year, of course, but it's this is a side that I think the the needle is definitely pointing up, and I think for most of the clubs the needle's pointing up as well. And you know you can you can look at uh, you know what Michael Voss did with Carlton, um, you know leading the Blues to their best finish in quite some time and just coming up a point short from uh, making finals. Um, now I have to, yeah, for those of you that don't know the story, I am still a little frustrated with Carlton, uh, for their timing of hiring Michael Voss because, uh, back in 2021, uh, as we're heading into grand final week, I had, uh, spoken with a number of, of people involved with the game. Um, and, uh, I'd had Frank Davis, who was a Melbourne premiership player in 64 on the podcast, and had the folks at uh, the Sporting Capital reach out for his contact info because they wanted to talk to him. They got they got Frank on the podcast on their podcast and their show, absolutely wonderful. And they had told me, "Hey, we want to have you on the show to talk about your view of the game from the American standpoint." Which is, let's be honest, there are a few of us that are doing this, but it's still quite a novelty that 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 I think that there are people like myself and uh, people like the, the gentleman out there. Uh, um, in California and Donnie in Iowa and uh, Rosanna in New York City promoting the game from our vantage point. You know, so we're still a bit of a novelty. Um, but they hired Michael Voss, uh, I think it was the Thursday before the grand final. I was supposed to be on the Sporting Capital that that day. I'd gotten up at like 4 o'clock in the morning to, to get on, and I checked my email, and there was a note from the producer, who's no longer the producer on the show, so I have no idea how to get in contact with anybody. that said, hey, 
Carlton's hired a new coach, and we're going to be talking about that today. Sorry about it. We want to get you back on some other time. Well, I'm still available. <laughs> so if you want to reach out, by all means, go ahead and do so. But again, you know, Carlton went from 13th to 9th. They came up a point short of making finals. I guess technically you could say came up two points short of making finals. Um, this was a, I think, a really good hire for them. He's he's instilled um, some toughness in that side. And, it, and Carlton has a, a very good club. And this is a club that I think if you're a blue supporter, you've got to be pretty excited about the direction they're going. Am I bitter about it? No, not really, but I just like poking fun at it and reminding Carlton supporters about it because it's uh, it's not anything that they did. It's nothing that I did. It just It's just a, a little twist of fate, a little circumstance that happened, but it's something that I can kind of chuckle on and, and uh, you know, I like to toss it out there from time to time just because it's a little fun to talk about. But let's, let's be honest here, probably the best hire for 2022 had to be Craig McRae. And this is a guy who comes in, you know, replacing a legendary Magpie uh, senior coach and player. Uh, and he takes him from the 17th spot on the ladder all the way to a top four finish. And uh, they get close to reaching the grand final. And, you know, well, I think the Hawks, you know, still have some growing to do before they move back into the eight. You know, what McCray did with this side. And again, you got a really nice blend of of veteran players on that club. Um, you know, you've got some great youngsters who I had talked about already uh, earlier on this list uh, who are generating a, a ton of excitement if you're a Magpie supporter. I think if you're a Magpie supporter, you have got to be absolutely thrilled about where your club is. And you should be, because this is going to be a darn good team going forward. Now, we're going we're gonna to find out whether or not the... Uh, the decision to, you know, cut ties with Brody Grundy was the right one. Um, and again, he didn't play much last year because of his foot issue. But uh, still, this is, you know, this is an all-Australian ruck that you have, you've moved on from. And again, I know they had the success last year without him playing much. So maybe they've already figured out that answer and that they're perfectly content with, with where they're going. And they certainly know more about it than I do. Uh, but... I think it's going to be a fun club to watch coming up. Okay. Now let's move on to number six. And uh, this one kind of gets from the, uh, the the start of the season to the end of the season. And then there are some awards involved with this. And this is just, you know, looking at just the, the confusion, the befuddlement, if you will, that is the, uh, the, the tribunal. And I don't know. I've, I've never seen, you know, because you, you, you can't, uh, you know, we have a saying here, you know, that, you know, that, if something occurs all the time, you know, you, you, you the line is, you know, you can't swing a dead cat and not hit something. Well, let's be honest. Uh, when it comes to footy, you can't swing a dead cat and not hit a sports gambling ad during a broadcast because they're everywhere. They're, 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 it's coming here in just a couple days. Um, sports wagering online is going to be legal here in the state of Ohio, and we're just being inundated by targeted advertising about it. it. It's not something that I, I partake in. Okay. I don't have that kind of disposable income. I don't know enough about things to say, well, yeah, I could go ahead and I'm not going to, I'm not going to be placing a bet, that sort of thing. It's not happening. I'll stick with super coach. I'll stick with AFL fantasy and have fun with that. Okay. But, uh, I don't do the betting part, but, um, 
is is there a marketplace? And I don't know. Is there a marketplace in in terms of sports betting? In terms of how the results of the tribunal are going to come about? Do they let you place bets in terms of whether or not suspensions are going to be upheld and you know, how much fines are going to be? Because because I don't know if we actually had a uh, any real semblance or idea of what was going on, you know, at the uh, at the tribunal this year. Um, and it and it started back in round one. You know, you've got you know you had two players, one who has since retired now, uh, that uh, get sent to the tribunal for different actions, one that looked much more innocent than the other, and the one that looked more innocent, and again, in my opinion, and again, I've never played the game, so those of you who have, have you know played the game or who do play the game might be telling me that I'm, you know, full of crap. Uh, with my thought here, but you'll go back to round one and uh, the Brisbane and Port Adelaide matchup where uh, Mitch Robinson is going for a ball and he kind of braces himself. He kind of ducks down and braces himself and Xavier Dersma runs into him um, and he ends up getting suspended or he gets sent to tribunal and gets suspended for a game. Willie Rioli, you know, in uh, a game between the Eagles and the... uh, Gold Coast Suns, when uh, Matt Rowell is trying to make you know, take possession of a ball and take a uh, take, I think it was taking a mark. I don't think it was from a handball. Um, leaves his feet and hip checks Rowell in the chest, and uh, you know, basically knocking him ass over apple cart. Well, looking at those two on their on their face, and again, this is my opinion, the more violent action was certainly the one that Willie Rioli put forth. But his two-match ban got overturned. And Mitch Robinson's ban where he, you know, and again, it was a quick, you could certainly debate it and argue it, but, you know, he he planted his feet. He did not drive into the person. He kind of just braced himself. His suspension got upheld. And, you know, you look at the at what happened with really, Willie Rioli and the tentacles of that decision back in round one made its way all the way into the end of the season when Patty Cripps has a similar contact against Callum Achi and, you know, knocks him out. Looks very similar to what Willie Rioli did. And he's offered a two-match ban, and and you look at it and you think, God, this was just it, it was a it was a an ugly hit. It's the kind of hit that that the game has been trying to um, take out of the competition in order to protect players from you know additional head trauma. And it's uh, it you know you look at it and you think, well, gosh, this is. This is certainly something that would warrant at least a game, which of course then would, you know, put his, you know, possible winning of the Brownlow in jeopardy. But he was, he was offered a two-match ban. He goes to the tribunal and it gets overturned and he ends up being able to play. Now the club ends up coming up short, losing by a point to Collingwood in the final round of the season to miss the finals. But, you know, I just, I, I, I guess I still haven't quite figured out what the criteria is for the tribunal. I don't know if they have one of those magic eight balls that they use that they shake around and go, okay, should this player be suspended? Should it be upheld? All signs point to yes. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't quite get it. I mean, I, I, it's, 
I guess, you know, maybe he and Rioli had better attorneys than Mitch Robinson did, but it, it just, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And again, this is not me being, you know, an apologist for somebody else saying that, you know, that Patrick Cripps should not have won the Brownlow. That's not, I'm not saying that at all. Although I did tip uh, Tuke Miller to win the Brownlow last year and I, he got very, very close and I might just tip him again this year. Um, now, of course, you know, you know, looking at the tribunal, I think they got things right. You know, the, uh, the Tom Stewart action, um, where he had that severe bump on Dion Prestia, you know, it's, uh, and Stewart owned up to it. He said, yeah, I, I screwed up. Yeah. I, I shouldn't have done it. I'll, I, I'm going to take my punishment. Um, very much a warranted one, you know, and I, I was concerned about what's going to happen regarding the, the club, you know, going forward. And it turns out they ended up winning all four of those games without him there. Um, you know, it's, uh, so I, I guess you know, the thing that just really makes me just shake my head sometimes is kind of the, uh, the, the arbitrary nature, seemingly the arbitrary nature of the, uh, of the tribunal, because you, you figure that, you know, looking at something and you say, okay, there's a precedent for this. And this, this did not look as bad as that did, but yet that person is cleared. But this person who was protecting himself, you know, from injury is what Mitch Robinson surely appeared to look like to me ends up being the one that gets suspended. So that's my number six on my list. Okay. Now let's move on to number five and, uh, we're going to jump into the other comp. We're going to head over to the AFLW. And, you know, the AFLW made some very dramatic changes this year. Uh, you know, first and foremost, the, the final four clubs were added to the comp, um, bringing in uh, Sydney, Port Adelaide, Essendon, and Hawthorne uh, into the comp to, to fill it out to 18 sides. Um, now, I, I think you, you could certainly make the argument that, that we had maybe a little bit of a step back in terms of uh, um, maybe skills this year. And, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to improve. And if you go back, I've got a track record on this podcast of, uh, of talking about how much improved year on year that the comp has been. But again, you know, we were adding four new clubs, so well over 100 new athletes into the competition. You know, we've got, we've got to, you know, we've got to have that, uh, that level of, of competition improve uh, on, uh, on a week-by-week and year-by-year basis. So I, I think it's going to continue to improve, and I, and I love watching the game. But I, I – and I, I feel guilty about this, and that is the fact that I, one, did not get to – watch nearly as much of the women's game this year as I wanted to. And I, this is where I have to tip my cap to, uh, to Donnie Hess, um, from the Des Moines Roosters and, uh, Donnie's disposals on YouTube. Um, Donnie does a fantastic job, uh, representing the AFLW game, uh, through his podcast and through his YouTube channel. I, I certainly love doing that, but with the changing of the schedule, and moving to the start time uh, when they did begin, it kind of put me in a, a difficult position because it's also the time of year when I am doing all of my announcing work. It's the start of the school year for me. I'm a school teacher, for those of you that did not know. Um, but I also, for the last 13 years, I've announced all of the football, gridiron football games, as well as the soccer games for both our boys and girls teams at our school. So I have about uh, 25 dates, give or take a couple, where I am announcing games in the evenings after school 
or on the weekends that I just, I don't have the time to do the weekly episodes. And I certainly don't have the time to watch all of the games along with the men's comp. Okay. Because, you know, there are weeks where the men's comp and the women's comp are going on at the same time. And and even though I only sleep about five hours a night, I still need to get those five hours because it's, uh, you know, you know, caffeine is great, but, uh, I need to, you know, I, I, there's only so many hours in the day and I was not able to devote the time to the AFLW, uh, with the new schedule that I wanted to. So I did not want to do a disservice and only give a, a half-hearted effort to the comp this year. I watched as much as I could and I'm thrilled with the way things are going. I'm thrilled with the fact that, you know, that the, the women's game has, uh, you know, had the boost in salary for the athletes. So then they're now being able to make a a good wage um, that maybe they they can still study, go to university. Uh, they can still maybe work part time. Maybe they're still working full time as well. But but they're 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 getting paid a little bit more like the professional athletes that they happen to be. Uh, so I think there were some great things that happened with the women's comp. And if you get the chance to watch, you know, again, what I saw this year, I mean, I was thrilled with the way the Cats women's uh, team played this year. Um, marked improvement. Uh, just a very exciting uh, exciting game to watch. I just wish I could watch more of it. And with the way the schedule is right now, it, it was kind of difficult for me to be able to do that. So that's my number five for this year. My number four, my number four is, uh, and, and this is just talking about basically one specific player and, and, and it kind of is a, a an all-encompassing issue, but just the struggles of uh, Jason Horn Francis. And, you know, moving away from home can be difficult for any young person. And, and this is something that, you know, whether you're heading off to college or whether you're heading off to, you know, to be a professional athlete, you know, at a, at a, at a club, um, you know, it's a big shift. I mean, these are 18, 19-year-old young men who are, you know, being expected to go interact with, you know, 25, 30-year-old athletes who've been playing the game professionally for five or eight or 10 or 12 years, who maybe haven't spent a great deal of time away from their families, you know, in another state. And it's, it, there's maybe a bit of a growing pain there. And, uh, you know, I, I feel, I, I, I feel bad for the, the situation that, that Horn Francis, um, you know, was in, you know, he seemed to struggle to, uh, assimilate himself into the ruse culture, into the ruse, uh, club. You know, he's now wearing the black and teal from Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, I, it was a, it was, I think, you know, the, the ruse making the best of a tough situation here, realizing, you know, that, that, that this young man is, you know, is going to be a very good player, but you know, his, his head and heart might be still stuck in, and stuck is not the right, you know, still may be placed. Stuck isn't the right word to use. So if you're in Adelaide and you're listening to this, my apologies for that. But his head and heart are, are located in uh, in Adelaide. And uh, it's it's just a, uh, it's a tough situation for him. I wish him the best. You know, I I know that every time that he faces the ruse the rest of his career, that, that the boo birds are going to come out and probably not be terribly supportive of him and, Certainly, and I know booing is something that gets a little bit more frowned upon in uh, in Australian sport than here in the states. You know, fans here will just boo their heads off and say other things as well. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's 
yeah, something I'm hoping that he gets his, his career back on track with, with uh, Port Adelaide. Um, you know, and you have to wonder, does does the fact that his struggle to assimilate with the club, did that have anything to do with David Noble's dismissal? Did they did they make the decision to move on from David Noble, figuring, okay, let's bring in somebody else who might make the uh, the club a more palatable location? And again, I'm, I'm speculating here. I don't I don't have any information on that. But was it was the club saying, okay, this you know this uh, this number one pick of the draft is a more important piece to our puzzle than our senior coach? We can go find another senior coach, and of course they did. They found you could argue the senior coach. Um, and again, I'm speculating here. I don't know if there's any facts here. I'm just tossing that out as, as something maybe went on. Maybe it was talked about in the back rooms. I don't know if the, maybe it's something you had thought about. And, uh, my number three on my list, and this is one that is still ongoing. And that is just the, the, the saga of events, uh, that have taken place recently with Hawthorne, uh, and the, uh, the allegations um, the assertions that were made regarding um, the club and specifically uh, Clarko and Chris Fagan's um, interaction with um, indigenous players on the club. And again, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I know any more than I do about, you know, those types of relationships and such and, and the thing in the, the, uh, the comings and goings of, of, the indigenous population and, and, and athletes in, in the game. I'm not going to pretend that I know any more about that, but just it's a pretty scary um, thought that if these things happen to be the case, you know, you, you know, both men stepped down from their position as coach for a while. Uh, they've gone back to coaching the, you know, the clubs, but it, it this could just be a, a serious um black eye for for Hawthorne for the comp if these things turn out to have actually occurred uh, and hopefully it gets resolved uh, before the season starts because you know I don't think you know that Hawthorne and I certainly don't think that that Brisbane and North Melbourne want to be dealing with the tumult or the fallout that could come from this so it's it's very interesting but I just I, I again I don't know enough about it but it's just it's it's just scary that uh, that this could be you know, something that has, uh, that has transpired. And hopefully it hasn't, okay? And my number two, and uh, this one I just, I want to, uh, to mention here. This is, I'm just looking back at uh, 22, and I'm going to toss out the word iconic players, and maybe they don't all fit into the category of being an iconic player, but uh, every single one of them that I'm going to mention Played over 150 games, and in fact, uh, all but uh, all but four of them on this list that I'm going to go over here played over 200 games. Um, but the the comp has had 22 big names from the game step away. I, okay, we could argue 21 big names because one of them is going to be duplicated um, after the end of the 2022 season, and. Uh, you know, I, I went through and I compiled this list here, and amongst them, and I did not total up premierships. I went through and totaled up uh, all Australian awards, and between the 22 players on this list, there are 26 all Australians uh, awards that were given out, including the six from Joel Selwood. But uh, 
you know, you've got Josh Kennedy um, from West Coast having stepped away after 293 games. David Mundy, the icon in purple there after 376 games. Joel Selwood, you know, the, the, the captain's captain, if you will, after 355 games and, and stepping away after the premiership. More about that in a moment. Um, you know, Sean Higgins stepping away after 260 games. Mitch Robinson, Robbie Gray from Port Adelaide, um, Ben McAvoy, Tom Lynch, Shane Edwards, Stevie Motlop, who ended up having a very, very solid career uh, between the Cats and uh, Port Adelaide, Patty Ryder, uh, Josh Kennedy from Sydney, Stephen Martin, Jaron Geary, Josh Caddy, Daniel Hanaberry, stepping away from the Saints, um, Matt DeBoer, Luke Dahlhaus, who had a great career with uh, the Bulldogs before he came over to the Cats and, you know, kind of got, you know, edged out by a number of other players, but was that player that was still working hard at, at helping to develop the club. You know, did not get a lot of games, you know, towards the end of his career. You know, Jordan Roughhead with 200 games. Michael Hurley, you know, was a uh, All-Australian, if I'm not mistaken as well. I don't think I wrote his numbers down there, actually. You know, Luke Brown having finished up with 189 games in his career. So we have a huge amount of talent that has stepped away from the game. And if you average those out, you have those 22 players right there, that's 5,400 games, if I totaled correctly. And I'm thinking that I might have added that up wrong. I'm going to have to go back and look at those numbers. No, I think I am right, actually. Um, 5,400 games between those 22 players for an average of 245 games for each of them. And we've got players all over the ground here. Um, over 3,600 goals kicked between these 22 players for an average of 166 goals from the high of 723 with uh, Josh Kennedy from West Coast uh, down to, uh, you know, you know Matt DeBoer um, and Stephen Martin. Stephen Martin with 47 goals, Matt DeBoer with 83, you know, both playing positions where they're not going to be in front of the goal very often. You know, Luke Brown only kicking 13 throughout his career. But just some rather huge names that are no longer going to be in a side's 22. And you, know, you could certainly make you know, arguments there about which ones are the, are the biggest names there. You know, I think you, you put both Josh Kennedys there. Of course, Joel Selwood, David Mundy, Robbie Gray. Um, you know, Ben McAvoy, I think, would certainly fit in there on that list if you were putting, you know, Patty Ryder, just some iconic athletes, you know, who I've, I've grown to appreciate as somebody who's been following the game now for going on seven years. Um, but they're going to be, you know, they're going to be tough shoes to fill. But now we've got this, you know, next young crop. And again, we've got, you know, great athletes like this every year who are stepping away from the game. Um, you know, and I'm not speculating on who's next. I'm certainly not doing that because, well, some of them may be wearing blue and white hoops. You never know. Speaking of blue and white hoops, let's get to my number one on the list. And, uh, well, I, 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 it's not a cat specific podcast, but I would be remiss as a cat supporter if I didn't, uh, if I didn't remind myself that the cats were neither too old, nor were they too slow this year. And, you know, they, they did have a lot of luck, knock on wood, with staying healthy throughout the year. This was a very healthy club, and of course they're starting off 2023 with, you know, Tom Hawkins in a, uh, in a moon boot uh, after having had foot surgery. Now, of course, you go back and you look at this club at the start of the year, 
they stumble out of the gate. They only won five of their first nine games. And, and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, I was pretty much spot on with my uh, having tipped them to, I believe, finish sixth. I think I had them sixth on the ladder. I know I had mentioned earlier in the episode sixth or seventh, but I think I had them tipped to finish sixth and to get not, I got them getting knocked out in the first round of finals this year, this past year. Um, but they went on and rattled off 16 wins in a row and winning, you know, with winning their uh, first premiership since 2011, you know, Isaac Smith won the Norm Smith medal, uh, with three goals and 32 disposals. Um, 10 other players kick goals for the cats with, you know, Tyson Stengel's four and, and, you know, seeing Joel Selwood kick that goal at the end of the, at the end of the game or towards the end of the game. And just the, you know, the celebration afterwards was just, I had goosebumps. And again, you know, this game is ending, you know, in the middle of the night for me. And, uh, and I'm, I'm cheering as loudly yet as quietly as I possibly can, because, you know, my, my wife is, is asleep in the other part of the house and I don't want to wake her up. Um, she's certainly not going to get up to watch the game, but, uh, I just, I, I was very excited. And it, and as a sports fan, uh, for now almost 60 years, um, I've not had a lot to be excited about because I've had, uh, you know, a lifetime of being a Cleveland sports fan and, uh, between the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians, there's not been many instances to celebrate, not been a lot to cheer. Um, there've been two championships in Cleveland in my lifetime. And one of those happened when I was a year old. Suffice to say, I don't remember it. Uh, that was the 1964 Cleveland Browns winning the, uh, NFL championship. This was before the Super Bowl, and they've had plenty of heartbreak over the years. They've had plenty of heartbreak over the years, including having the team move to Baltimore to become the Ravens. And I hate the Ravens. I know there are a couple of you who are Ravens fans who listen to the podcast. That's fine. I hate the Ravens with a passion. Okay. I loathe them. And then the Cavaliers with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving winning the, the championship in the NBA back in 2016. But, you know, if you go back and you, you know, a couple of episodes, I did my episode on my most memorable game. Um, it's talking about how I became a cat supporter, the game that pushed me over the edge to decide to become a cat supporter. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that I made the decision to support the club that I support but I'm just as thrilled that I have fallen in love with this game. And I said it at the outset, I can't f- thank all of you enough for welcoming me into the fandom that is Australian football. I love learning about the game at all sorts of different levels. Um, but I just love this game. And this this is the game that occupies... And this is a good thing that occupies so much of my time. This has been my my outlet. This has become my passion. This is what I love to do. This is what I, I love to engage on this, and I love to be involved um, on the periphery. You know, we'll see if I ever get to see a game in person, uh, other than you know, you know, a USAFL game here or there. But uh, I tip my cap to all of you who listen to the show for sharing this game with me, for taking time out of, like I said, out of your finite number of minutes that you have each week for, you know, tuning into the show and giving me feedback and letting me know what you like and what you don't like. I can't thank you enough for that. It's absolutely awesome. 
Now, remember, folks, uh, we've got uh, 2023 coming up here very soon. I'm going to be still recording a few more of my most memorable game episodes. If you've got one of those and you want to reach out, I'd love to set up a time with you for that. I am going to also begin uh, recording my preview episodes here very soon with uh, hopefully different uh, podcasts throughout the, uh, the, the the footy sphere, if you will. Um, might help getting some other people you know, to tune into the show. Uh, it'd be great if that was to happen. If you get if you want to help out the show, you can go over to my website, um, leave a review. You can it'll you can click on there and it'll take you directly to the Apple uh, podcasts page where you can leave a review for the show. It really helps. Uh, if, if you like the show and you want to leave a five-star review, it'd be a big help. Uh, if you want to be a guest, please reach out. If you, if you like the show and you want to help keep it on the air and keep it going here, because like I said, it's all, um, it's all me doing this. So it's all, you know, out of pocket there. I'm not getting rich doing this or anything like that. But, uh, if you want to help keep the lights on, as they say, uh, every little bit helps. You can click on that, buy me a coffee button down there at the bottom left, or you could, you know, pick up a, uh, a t-shirt or a, uh, sticker for the podcast and put it on the back of your van or on your computer, whatever the case may be. If you choose to do that, that'd be great. Um, I do hope you get on the mailing list. So when new episodes come out, I can share them with you as soon as they're available. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been three wonderful years that I've had with the podcast and I can't wait to see where it goes next. I can't wait to see who I get to talk with next. I've got a couple irons in the fire. Um, and I need to go back out and, uh, re-engage with several people who I have, have spoken with before uh, about getting on the podcast. And I and, and I had had somebody about a year and a half ago, two years ago, recommend, about a year and a half, I guess, recommend that I, I start investigating LinkedIn. And, and I did that. And LinkedIn was, it turned out, and I think I've used this line before, it was like getting a drink of water out of a fire hose. It was amazing, the... Uh, the reception that I got from people. And it was, uh, it was quite frankly, it was, it was overwhelming. So I'm still trying to play catch up in many instances there in terms of getting myself uh, engaged with, with different people as prospective guests. And if you've got somebody who you think would be a great guest and you have contact information for them, please feel free to pass that along to me or pass my contact information along to them. You know, you can send them an email uh, with my email address, yankonthefootygmail.com at Yank underscore on on Twitter, uh, Craig Wessels on Facebook, or Yank on the Footy Podcast on Facebook, or a Yank on the Footy over on Instagram, or you can, like I said, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn as well. Folks, I appreciate the support. I cannot say it enough. The fact that that so many of you do tune in each week, and most of you who are listening are in Australia, and I, and I, I appreciate the fact that people who love this game in your country think that that I'm worth spending some time listening to. I, I, I'm humbled by that, and I can't thank you enough for that. Look out for one another. Take care of each other. Give your friends a call. Tell them you love them. Make sure you put on the uh, sunscreen. Not here, although we're up in the... Uh, we're up around 10 degrees or so here after having been about negative 20 last weekend. Let your friends know you love them. Okay, check up on them. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for the kind words. And as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later.
been episode 218, the third anniversary episode for Yank on the Footy. Again, don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. I do hope you consider sharing the episode with your friends and family. Tell them all about it. Tell them to subscribe. And get on that mailing list, folks. And until next time, goodbye.